0: We turn to Ephesians chapter 6 on this Labor Day weekend, verses 5 through 9, Spirit-filled workers, Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 5. And Paul says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ." Not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them, and give up threatening knowing that both their Master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with Him. Let's pray. Father, take now the words that You have given, words inspired by Your Holy Spirit. I pray that You would apply them to our lives today for the glory and the praise of Jesus, for we pray in His name. Amen. How many of you are happy with your job, huh? I see a few hands. How many of you are not happy with your job? I'm glad Luke Temte is happy with his job because he works with me. And if he wasn't happy with his job, then you would probably have issues with, with me. Well, evidently, most Americans aren't happy with their job. According to a recent report of the Conference Board, Americans are growing increasingly unhappy with their jobs. And the decline in job satisfaction is widespread among workers of all ages and across all income brackets, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people think if you make a lot of money, you're going to be happy. Well, not necessarily so. Half of Americans today say they are satisfied with their jobs, down from nearly 60% in 1995. But among the 50% who say they are content, only 14% say that they are very satisfied with their jobs. Another survey done by the Families and Work Institute found that 70% of people in the United States often dream about doing something different for a living. That does seem a little bit alarming, doesn't it? Seven out of ten dream about doing something different than what they are doing now on the job. So what's the solution to this uh, discontent with, with our work in our country today? Well, maybe for some it might be to get a different job, huh? Uh, that might seem like a simple solution, but maybe you're involved in something that you just don't fit, Um, Maybe you're not in the will of God. Maybe God has something else in store for you. So it is possible that maybe where you are is not really where you should be. I'm not saying quit tomorrow, but perhaps that is the case for some. But I think for others, and maybe for most people, something else needs to change. Maybe their attitude needs to change through the power of God's Spirit working within us. Very important to notice the context of our text today because it really takes us back to uh, chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. And he commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to give some results of that with participles ing words what's the result of that speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord giving thanks and then being subject to one another or submitting to one another in the fear of Christ and so what Paul is doing is he's giving some results of or evidences of the Spirit's work in our lives then he goes on to illustrate that attitude of submission in various ways. Verse 22, wives, be subject to your husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And then he comes to our text, slaves, be subject to your masters. So we really need to understand this in light of being filled with the Holy Spirit, because that will be seen then in the home as well as on the job. So what are spirit-filled believers like on the job? Well, Paul gives us three characteristics. First of all, spirit-filled believers work respectfully. There is an attitude of respect given to the one you work for. When it comes to living the Spirit-filled life, Paul makes it very clear that our attitudes are just as important as our actions. We see that with children in verses 1 and 2 where, where Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There is the action. And then the attitude is found in verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. So it's not just, you know, doing what mom asks you to do, but doing it with an attitude of, of honor and respect. Verse 5, then he deals with slaves, or we would apply that today to, to employees. As slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Notice again, you see both the action as well as the attitude. So it's not just what we do on the job that's important, the attitude in which we do it is just as important. I don't know if you've ever worked for a boss that you thought was undeserving of your respect. But if you have, you know how difficult that can be. Any of you been there, where you just work, work keep your hand out, Luke. where you work for someone that you just really struggled with honoring and respecting, and the old nature is saying, "What? That person does not deserve my respect. Maybe it's a challenge with a boss like that to go to work every day. And yet, what we read this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2, listen to this, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. You want to ask Peter, do you really mean that? <laughs> yes. Even to one who is unreasonable, there still needs to be as a spirit-filled believer, an attitude of respect. And that's challenging, isn't it? I worked at a grocery store when I was in high school and college and our boss was was generally pretty decent to work for, but there were times when he got a little bit, we thought maybe a little bit unreasonable, and there was a guy that we worked with who, a little bit older than, than, than we were, and he was, I, w- I would say, a model employee. Sometimes he got the dirtiest jobs, the, the cruddiest jobs, and he always did it with a good attitude. Others would complain about the boss, you know, and complain about fellow workers, but never did I hear him complain. And he just did his job, and he was a believer, and it showed respectfully. Spirit-filled believers work respectfully. Respectfully. A second lesson we learn is that spirit-filled believers not only work respectfully, but they work consistently. Ever notice how just about everybody works hard when the boss is watching? It's amazing how the level of work goes up as soon as the boss comes in. What a, what a difference that that person can make. But when the boss is gone, oh, how things can change. Some of those who were so hardworking and so productive become so lazy and so indifferent. (laughs) It's like they are totally different people. And Paul makes it clear that that should not be the case with the believer. In verse 6 he says that our work should not be by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. In other words, we are to do our best as Christian workers, not just when we are being watched. We are to continue to do our best, even when no one's looking. Maybe we're working all by ourselves. And so whether the boss is present or absent, it really shouldn't matter, should it? John MacArthur says the faithful believer does not simply do the minimum his job requires, much less work only when his supervisor or other workers are watching. He does not need to be checked up on because he always does his work to the best of his ability, whether or not anyone else is around. He goes on to say he works just as hard when he is passed over for a raise or promotion as when he is being considered for them. He does not do a good job to make a good impression on other people as do men-pleasers or to promote his own welfare. If he gains those things, they are incidental to his primary motive and intention. He works diligently because to do so is the will of God and the sincere desire of his own heart. Now, if that sounds like it's contrary to human nature, you are right. (laughs) It is. But it is a result of the Spirit of God working in our hearts. The Spirit-filled worker works consistently. And then thirdly, Paul says, the spirit-filled believer works purposefully. Why do we work respectfully and consistently? We have a purpose in working hard. Certainly one purpose is to be a good testimony, to be a good witness. As a Christian worker, we want to, to do everything we do in a way that that honors the Lord, that lifts up Jesus. Paul writes to Titus in chapter 2 of Titus and he addresses slaves there. And he says, Urge bond slaves in chapter 2, verse 9, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering or stealing, but showing all good faith And here's the purpose so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Now, that's a very interesting word. The word adorn, it's the Greek word cosmeo. And we get our English word cosmetics from that word. Some of you put on cosmetics this morning, didn't you? How many of you did? No wonder the rest of you don't look very good today. You didn't put any cosmetics on, huh? Okay, why do we put cosmetics on? Because it makes us look better. At least that's the theory behind it. Unless you're painted like a raccoon or something like that. But, okay, so cosmetics make our appearance, or at least theoretically make our appearance more pleasing. And what Paul is saying here is then is that our attitude as workers makes the doctrine of God more attractive, okay? So so the way that you and I work on the job that should make the gospel more appealing because they see what Christ has done in us because it affects the way we live. So we need to be a witness on the job. And I believe people are watching. When they know that you're a Christian, they are watching you. They are observing you. They're seeing your attitudes and your actions and they're, they're making an assessment of this relationship you have with, with Jesus based on how you work. And I'm convinced one of the greatest mission fields you have is on the job. Think of how many hours you spend with your fellow workers, shoulder to shoulder, doing things together. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. And so we work purposefully to to be a witness to others. And then we also work purposefully to bring glory to God. You can't help but miss that in the text because Paul repeats that over and over. Verse 5, he says we are to to work with sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse 6, as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with goodwill, rendering service as to the Lord and not to men. And the same is true if you happen to be a boss. If you happen to be one who has people working for you. Verse 9, "...and masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with Him." So whether you are an employee or you are in some position of management, you are accountable to God for your work and you should do your work as unto Him. He is the one that you serve. There was a man I knew uh, some years ago. I worked at the mill, paper mill in Cloquet. And he was a godly Christian man, and and his attitude at work was such a contrast to, to many that he worked with. And finally, one day, someone asked him, what in the world is it that makes you able to work in this place with that kind of an attitude? He said, I'll tell you why. He said, I don't work for Potlatch, I work for Jesus. That's who I work for. And that's what made a difference in in, in his attitude on the job. He was serving Jesus. He was there to, to lift up the name of Jesus. And when that is your motive and that's your purpose and that's your goal, that is going to affect the way you work, isn't it? Even if you're scrubbing floors or digging ditches, if you're doing it for Jesus, makes a difference, doesn't it? The fact that we are accountable to God in our work is a warning to those who take advantage of others because of their position on the job. As far as God is concerned, an employer and an employee are on the same level. Paul says there's no partiality with him. But If you look at verse 8, you see a wonderful encouragement that he gives to those who work for Jesus' sake, where Paul says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. You know, sometimes an employer may not appreciate you. Maybe not even be aware of the good work you do on the job. Maybe that employer is indifferent to you. Maybe someone else gets the credit. But you know what? God knows what you have done. God sees your labor, wherever it is, done for His glory, and He will reward you one day. One man has said, no good thing done in His name and for His glory can pass His notice or fail to receive His blessing. In the late 1600s, Sir Christopher Wren was commissioned to design St. Paul's Cathedral in, in London. And as the story goes, he went out to the, the building site and people didn't recognize who he was. And so he went from worker to worker and, and asked several men, well, what are you doing? And it was quite interesting to hear the responses. Some said, well, I'm cutting a piece of stone, was one answer. A second worker said, I'm earning five shillings and two pence a day, was another response. But then there was another worker who had a very different perspective. He said, I am helping Christopher Wren build a magnificent cathedral to the glory of God. Which perspective do you work under? Someone asked you this week, what are you doing at work? You're going to tell them, well, I'm writing a paper or I'm digging a ditch or I'm... Changing a light bulb? Or are you going to say, well, I'm making uh, 15 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour or 10 bucks an hour or what you make? Or would you be like the one who said, I am doing this job to bring glory to Jesus? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we who know the Lord would would approach what we do with, with that attitude? I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm serving as unto him. I do my work to bring glory and praise unto him. That's the spirit-filled worker. Respectfully and purposefully and consistently. That's not natural to our old flesh. That's why we need to see the context here. This is a result of the filling of the Holy Spirit. When God's Spirit is at work within us, we live different. And the world can't help but notice. I hope you're off tomorrow. Any of you have to work tomorrow? Oh, it's too bad. But most of you, when you get back to work on Tuesday, begin that work week and say, Lord, use me here. I want to serve you here. You've blessed me with this job. May not be the perfect job. Maybe I work with people that I don't really necessarily, you know, get goosebumps running down my spine when I see them, or my heart goes pitter-patter. But you've given me this job, and I want to serve you here. I want to do it respectfully, and consistently, and purposefully, for the glory and for the praise of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for work. Thank You for the privilege, Lord, to to have a job. To be an influence in the people that we work with. To work for You, Lord. To serve You wherever You put us. Maybe our job doesn't seem very exciting sometimes. Maybe we're asked to do things that are difficult. Things maybe we'd rather not do. But Lord, give us the perspective that Paul writes of in this passage. And give us the power by your Spirit to not just do what we've been asked to do, but to work with an attitude that gives glory and praise unto you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.